0: Welcome to the Defund DOC podcast. It's very exciting prison stories, explosive prison politics, and the radical prison reform that this country really needs. Hosted by Daniel and Linda Sims. Linda, a recovering alcoholic, found joy and purpose helping others as a human rights and prison reform advocate. She is a behavioral health technician and case manager for treatment centers. Daniel has been in prison for over 20 years. While in prison, he rehabilitated himself, becoming a jailhouse board member of the National Lawyers Guild litigating countless civil lawsuits to better prison conditions, writing deep-best-selling books, and widely known as a Judicial Prison Reform Expert and Outspoken Anti-Racist. Together, they hope to inspire bold change. Thank you for joining. Please subscribe to receive new episodes. Now enjoy.
1: Welcome back to Reasons 10 and 9, the podcast where we delve into thought-provoking reasons behind the flaws in our society. I'm Linda Sims and joining me today is my co-host Daniel Sims. Today we're exploring the complex issues of mass incarceration. Daniel, let's start with reason number 10. Can you explain to our listeners how mass incarceration overuses infractions for petty inactions?
0: Absolutely, Linda. One of the concerning aspects of mass incarceration is the overuse of infractions for minor actions or even inactions within the prison system. This means that individuals are often punished disproportionately for their offenses, which can range from petty rule violations to major infractions in essence, our argument is these infractions could be- essentially abolished because it's most of them are legal in society, whether that's tattooing, whether that is uh um, mutual fights which could end up becoming a career in m m a or u f c Or your other job, this practice ultimately perpetuates a cycle of punishment that does not fit the severity of the actions committed.
1: That's an important point, Daniel. It's crucial to consider the fairness and proportionality of the punishments within the criminal justice system. Now, let's talk about something you mentioned earlier, diesel therapy and diesel treatment. Can you elaborate on what these terms mean and why they are problematic?
0: Certainly, Linda. Diesel therapy and diesel treatment refer to the practice of constantly moving incarcerated individuals from one prison or facility to another. Diesel therapy in particular is the federal version of it, while diesel treatment is the state version of it. While this may seem like a mere logistical matter, it has significant implications. Not only does it disrupt the lives of those who are transferred, but it also has a detrimental impact on the environment. The constant transportation of individuals emits vast levels of CO2 gases, contributing to climate change and the environmental degradation.
1: That's an aspect that often goes unnoticed. The environmental impact of mass incarceration is an important consideration. Now let's address another issue related to reason number 10. Solitary confinement. Can you explain why this practice is incredibly damaging and mentally and even considered a form of torture internationally?
0: Absolutely, Linda. Solitary confinement involves isolating an individual in a small cell about the size of a parking spot for extended periods, often 22 to 24 hours a day with minimal human contact or environmental stimulation. This extreme punishment has been shown to have severe psychological effects, including depression, anxiety, and even hallucinations. As somebody that's been incarcerated for over 20 years and have done three years straight in solitary confinement, personally. By the time that I was finally out of solitary confinement for a nonviolent infraction, keep in mind, I was basically mentally disturbed. Uh, I had, uh, uh, whenever I was around people, my anxiety levels went up. When I I even started hearing things in my vents and stuff. So it really damages you. And it's extremely dangerous to allow a government to to use that type of state violence against their own citizens. It's considered a form of torture internationally as recognized by the Geneva Convention. The detrimental impact it has on an individual's mental health and overall well-being cannot be overstated.
1: Thank you for shedding light on that. Solitary confinement is a deeply troubling practice that raises serious ethical and human right concerns. Now let's move on to reason number nine, mass incarceration destroys family ties. Can you explain to our listeners how this issue impacts individuals and their loved ones?
0: Certainly, Linda. When an an individual is incarcerated, their relationships with their families, particularly kids, are profoundly affected. You can imagine how hard it is for people to stay in contact with their family and friends. The phone calls are charged exorbitant amount of money. The visits are usually to prisons really far from them. And their families are not uh, always uh usually from uh the the poor class from the from the lower echelons of society and cannot afford these uh costs and, and including video visits cost around twelve dollars apiece so our argument is that the wives and and children should be allowed more access to their loved one inside the prison. Like other countries that allow their prisoners to have family support, come into the prison and stay with them. Can you imagine a world where you could come live with me for uh, uh, the weekends and potentially come spend a a vacation period with me, Linda? That would be amazing. The the separation caused by imprisonment strains familial bonds and can hinder the development of healthy relationships. Children of incarcerated parents often face emotional and psychological challenges, as they may experience stigma, feelings of abandonment, and difficulty coping with their parents' absence.
1: That's such a heartbreaking reality. The impact of children and families cannot be underestimated. How does this absence of a parent due to incarceration affect these children in the long run?
0: This is actually one of the reasons uh that we've already named um about the innocence of children. Um so I I don't want to go too much into that reason right now, but in essence it, anyone can uh deduce the, the detrimental impacts that it has on their on children. I mean let me just briefly touch on because we we all know the children are innocent. So let me touch on that just briefly but obviously we're going to go over that again in uh, uh in our further reasons. I believe that uh number 4 but let me go over that here. The absence of a parent due to incarceration can have long-lasting effects on a child's well-being and for future prospects. It often leads to emotional and behavioral challenges, academic difficulties, and limited access to the support systems that are crucial for their development. Maintaining strong family ties is essential for rehabilitation and successful reintegration into society. In essence, the prison system that we have today is is by design created to make people come back to prison. Whether consciously or unconsciously, keeping families separated and destroyed creates the prisoners to go essentially back to their old ways of living. But if you keep the families intact, let the wives and the children come into the prisons and spend time, a meaningful time with their loved one, these will, these will successfully reintegrate our loved ones uh, back into society. Um, Breaking these connections perpetuates a cycle of harm and prevents individuals from accessing the support they need to rebuild their lives.
1: That's a powerful point. Mass incarceration not only affects the individuals directly involved, but also has far-reaching consequences for their family. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to reasons 9 and 10? Thank you, Linda, for adding that.
0: I mainly wanted to touch base with you um, regarding our need to get more attention to our podcast how are you doing currently to to um in in our struggle to bring more attention to this powerful reform movement that we're trying to start
1: i have been sharing on social media platforms,
0: tiktok and, and so you've been doing tiktok uh videos and and uh facebook ads and stuff so yeah is it, it, are we needing people to share these things and, and potentially subscribe to the podcast is Is that something that uh we should start asking people to share with their family and friends because uh we really need eyeballs folks we really need people to to start uh subscribing because that it's kind of a big deal to put ourselves out there for for our people for the American people to find reform and uh we really we're really struggling to get subscribers and getting people on there. So if you could, if you could share uh, this with your family and friends, I, I'm sure uh, that Linda would be very much appreciative because I know I would. How how would you feel about that, Linda?
1: Absolutely, we definitely need to get this shared out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, um, ladies and gentlemen, as you can um, imagine, the name Defund DOC is not quite popular with a large segment of population. And uh, I would like Linda to touch on the subject of the the hate that you've been receiving on trying to reform this system. Could you give us some examples of the hate that you've been uh, experiencing, Linda?
1: Yes. All right. So some of the hate that we've received, I had posted about the first podcast being published and that it was available on the website. Some of the comments received, and I'm going to say most of the comments received, I had a few people that were – kind of standing up for what we're doing. I'm going to read a couple of them here. So some of the people are saying to bring back harder labor in prison, bring back the chain gangs, bring back mandatory minimum sentences for violence and organized crime.
0: Okay. Well, I would really like to address that subject right now. So this is something that me and you have both been very passionate about, ending prison slavery. People like to use euphemisms about this, but today we're actually in an era of the largest slavery system in the history of the world. And that includes the slavery system that was intact in the 1800s. So, currently, everybody that's against prison reform today are essentially the same people that were against ending slavery back in the 1800s. And similarly, the people that are against uh, prison slavery are, pr- are most likely the same type of people that were against desegregation. So, from our standpoint, Mining and Linda's and a large majority of people that are in the prison reform movement, is that. This- this is a time of of great for unity we need prison reform the reason why they keep in people broke is because it keeps people to come back to prison and keeps them impoverished and when they're impoverished they go back to their old ways and that's just a human that's a human condition anybody that's been alive for many years knows that they get people get stuck in routine so when you get out and you've all you've known is criminal activity you're going to go back to that same criminal activity whether you uh, whether you agree with that or not that's a fact because that's why 82 percent of people get out and come back within 10 years it's a sad fact but we can stop it so all the crime that is happening today in this country Linda is happening because we have a failed mass incarceration system we already know due to Norway's prison system, how to reduce recidivism down to 20%. Yet, all politicians are stuck on this prison profiteering, cruel, harsh system, but if they actually took a second and actually wanted to end crime, then they would be about prison reform. So I, I thank you, uh, Linda, for being the, the, the front of the battle for this uh, movement. I believe that you are A part of the new Underground Railroad, Linda. And so the point of me raising this issue, Linda, was essentially to see if we could potentially get people that are listening to this to subscribe to our podcast. But also, we really need people to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter. We need you guys. Because she is getting inundated with hate, and this system of hate is extremely detrimental to us as a people and most definitely for our descendants. Can I, mean, I our just, e- can I just
1: elaborate on the hate part a little bit more? Yes. People yes. commenting People commenting things such as bring back public hangings for felonies.
0: Oh, my goodness. And you know what? That's crazy you say that because I heard Donald Trump talking about – killing shoplifters and killing drug dealers this is this is absurd how far outrageously uh cruel the the conversation is getting out there i mean i'm in prison i'm i mean i'm around the people that that donald trump is talking about there are really no bad people in here there are people that made really bad decisions i mean yes there's obviously there's sociopaths I'm not saying that those are mental health people that need to be put away for long periods of time but what I'm talking about is the majority of the prisoners that are in here for drugs for for armed crimes or whatnot um, not I'm not talking about homicide I'm just talking about regular folks that made bad decisions these are the people that are your children these are the people that are sons and daughters of America the government is destroying these people and they're doing it in the guise of governmental power. And we need, we the people, to get together with Linda on social media. We greatly need these people, don't we, Linda?
1: Yes, we do. How would you
0: How, how would you feel, Linda, if you had 100 or 200 or 300 people friending you on Facebook that could to combat this hate that we're getting?
1: I would feel amazing because I wouldn't have to do it on my own. Like I said, we do have a few people on there that have a heart, but for the most part, people are just heartless and filled with hate. Wow.
0: That is so sad because, you know, it's like they're, they're just allowing the politicians and the media to define the message. You know, the message currently for the right seems to be hate towards the American people that are troubled, that commit crimes. They're as opposed to actually let's let's rehabilitate these people let's actually end crime i mean we can end crime all the way down to 20% recidivism right now just based on one prison system in norway and finland that has the data that backs up the 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 way to end crime but instead of doing that what are they doing linda they're demonizing us they're demonizing the the american people they're let's kill them for shoplifting Anybody that has lived in America and knows somebody that has shoplifted knows that a majority of these people that are shoplifting might shoplift today, but two months, two years from now, you they're going produc- to be productive members of society. So anyway, in closing, do um, you want to c- close us out, Linda?
1: That's all the time we've got today for reasons 10 and 9. So join us next time as we continue to shed light on the flaws within our society Thank you guys for tuning in.
0: Thank you, Linda. Remember, by understanding these issues, we can work towards a more just and compassionate society. Until next time, you guys.